Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson continues our series from the book of Acts. The title of the lesson is Acts 13, Hypocritical Religion. Before we read today's starting passage, let me, let me remind us of the context of where we are in Acts at this point. Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch, and they are gathered together with a Jewish and Gentile audience at the synagogue there in Antioch. Synagogues became prominent as places of worship after the Jews were dispersed from their homeland following the Babylonian conquest. We would assume people gathered at a place of worship would be motivated by a desire to know God and to find truth. But just as such is often not the case of people who gather and even lead churches today, such was not the case with many of the Jews in this place, as we will see from their reaction to the truth. Paul is given an opportunity to speak, and he preaches the gospel to the crowd. Many are very interested, and we continue the narrative from Acts 13, verse 42 to 52, which says, As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole re region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing, and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. We'll look at a couple of other points within this passage in later studies. Today, I want us to focus on the Jews' response to people believing the truth and what it reveals about some people's professed religion. When the Jews saw the popularity of Paul and Barnabas after the previous week's meeting, the Bible says they were filled with jealousy. So the reason they began contradicting what Paul was saying was not because they were really concerned about what was true, but just because... They were threatened. They were jealous. They didn't like their popularity being overtaken by Paul and Barnabas. And that's a very contradicting statement for those claiming to be concerned about what is true. The most prominent question for all Jews should have been when the Lord's anointed one would come. Even the Samaritan woman at Sychar knew that when Messiah came, he would guide the people in all truth. 
So, if the Jews were really honest in their religion, each person would have been concerned about responding to this message as an individual and how it pertained to them. But as the parable Jesus told of the tenants who sought to steal the owner's vineyard, the Jewish religious leaders had merely taken advantage of religion to acquire power and wealth. Unlike John the Baptist's humble declaration when his Lord came on the scene and that meant that John wouldn't be as popular anymore, John responded to that situation by saying, He must increase, but I must decrease. But the Jews, in contrast to that, made this declaration to each other. In John chapter 11, verse 47 and 48, we read, So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we going to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. That's an ironic sentiment, is it not? Do you know the impetus of this conversation was that Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead, and so he had become even more popular than he was before. That context makes the Jews' conversation even more ironic, right? The one who had power over death had come, and he had displayed that power and that authority. There should have been national rejoicing, and the religious leaders should have been urging the people to believe in Jesus. Instead, we find them concerned that what Jesus is doing will cause them the loss of their positions. If you examine church history, you will find lots of examples of this behavior. There have been concerted efforts to place power in the hands of a few people and make followers dependent on these leaders. This is why the Catholic Church kept the Bible from being translated into the language of the people they taught. They didn't want people to know truth, they just wanted people to follow their system. There's no such system as popes, cardinals, and the like in the New Testament. But those things are a product of the motives of false religion. In the Bible, Christ is the foundation of the church, and we're told no one can build on, on any, other, any other place or method or whatever than that foundation. Christ is the church. And then he gave the apostles to propagate his gospel to bear witness to his resurrection and the things that we, he, he instructed them in. In the end of the apostles' lives, we don't find any instruction for the continuation of appointments of men to that office. Instead, we see every individual church to be overseen by its elders. In Titus chapter 1, verse 5, we read, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. The word bishop in the New Testament refers to what we describe as a pastor today. The Greek word episkopos, which is where the word bishop comes from, but it's the direct translation is an overseer. That's what episkopos means. It means an overseer. And it's used interchangeably in the New Testament with two other Greek word, words, presbyteros and poimenos, which presbyteros means someone older in age, and poimenos is a shepherd. All of those titles are used interchangeably to describe qualities that relate to the duties of a pastor as described in Scripture. 
But because of false and hypocritical religion, we have systems today that promote what is not taught in the Bible. Rather than advocating for truth and encouraging others to come to it, these leaders try to keep people under their power. They don't want people to think for themselves. They don't want them to just listen to what... They, they don't want them to think for themselves. They want them to just listen to what they are taught. The Bible, in contrast, demands every person hear, believe, and obey the gospel. In Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31, we read, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 from verse 20 to 22 we read, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. You see there a, a command for each person to test what he hears. And in contrast to those who would have us believe that without them, we can't understand spiritual truth, the Bible tells us that every person truly born of God's Spirit has the Holy Spirit as their teacher. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, it says, But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. The Bible tells us God has given us instructors to help us. In Ephesians 4, from verse 11 to 14, we read, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes." But nowhere does it put the authority of the determination of truth in the hands of a human being. The definition of truth comes from God alone. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, we read, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In John 17, verse 17, it says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Brethren, in Uganda, we have a big challenge with these things. Most people are religious, and most of that religion comes from false motives. I see men in the pulpit who are sexually immoral or who have even attempted to rape women in their congregation, and they are not removed from their office. There are men who enrich themselves from church offerings and don't care about their congregation's poverty. They fit these descriptions Jesus gave of the Pharisees so long ago. 
In Matthew 23, from verse 5 to 7, we read, They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. Probably the modern version of doing what you do to be seen by men is making sure to post pictures of everything you do on Facebook and social media. I feel no hesitation in exposing these things because unlike the people I've described, I don't benefit in any way from ministry. No one pays me anything for my labor and I don't want to be paid. God puts my family on the hearts of believers and they sacrifice from money they earn to allow us to live in Uganda and focus on ministry. I echo what Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, where he says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. I want all people to know the truth and be saved, or if they are saved already, to grow in that salvation and glorify God. So lastly, I'm leaving you with a serious warning, as Paul warned these Jews as he was speaking to them. Jesus once stated that food doesn't defile a person, but rather what comes out of a person's heart defiles them. This statement went against the Jewish leader's teaching. So the disciples came and said this to Jesus, and then we get this dialogue that my warning comes from. In Matthew 15, from verse 12 to 14, we read, Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Many times I've prayed that God would strike down the many false teachers that abound in Uganda who prostitute the gospel and the death of Jesus for money, power, and fame. And I have often felt sorry for those who follow them. But Jesus says something important here for us. If the blind lead the blind they will both fall into a pit. Friends, both the blind false teachers and the blind listeners who choose to follow false teachers are under the same sentence of condemnation. And notice Jesus, Jesus doesn't have concern about them. He says, let them alone. Let them go their own way. Let them be destroyed. It is what they deserve. Be careful that you are not in this category of being unconcerned about the truth or hypocritical in your religion. Just as the Jews were condemned for having unbelieving hearts and not caring about the truth, we will likewise be condemned if we behave as they did. God bless you all.